Hello and good morning. I'm Whitney Wiseman and welcome to Lake Hills Church on this wonderful Mother's Day. In our first story of the morning, Stephanie reports on a casual Wednesday lunch at Hag Creek. Here's Stephanie for more. Thank you, Whitney. Boy, do I have a story to tell. Earlier today, my two-year-old son held me hostage at the Lakeway Hat Creek. It's important to note that the friends I met there do not have children and likely never will after witnessing this situation firsthand. Out of absolutely nowhere, he went into complete meltdown mode after several cries demanding, quote, shush up! A good Samaritan miraculously understood it as the English word ketchup and brought him a packet. Unfortunately, her good deed was later punished after he threw a ketchup-covered fork right at her forehead. As you may know, not all heroes wear capes, but this one should have worn a helmet. Luckily for us, we made it home with half the shoes we arrived with. Back to you, Whitney. Thanks, Stephanie. We've all been there, and you handled that situation like a pro. Next up, we've got Bree reporting live from the suburbs of West Austin. Bree, what have you got for us? It was supposed to be a fun-filled weekend for my kids, spending time with their grandparents and making some great memories. But it turns out they made some memories that I'm not too thrilled about. Apparently, the grandparents let my kids get away with some serious rule breaking. When I asked my parents to comment, they just shrugged and said they were having fun. I guess the fun is over. I'm taking back the reins, and if my kids ever try to convince me to let them eat candy for breakfast, they have another thing coming. Back to you, Whitney. Thanks for that great report, Bree. And our last story of the day, we'll look at how inflation is affecting all of us close to home. My home, in fact. Just this past weekend, Byron opened up his very own lemonade stand in the bustling neighborhood streets of downtown Austin. In an attempt to support his newfound venture, we explained to Byron that while I may purchase his lemonade for $30 a cup, others may not feel so inclined. Eyewitnesses report that the stand was strategically positioned at the end of our driveway, exploiting heavy weekend foot traffic. According to our sources, the lemonade is made from the finest ingredients, lemons, water, sugar, and stirred with his very own hands. It's been described as a tangy delight with just a hint of unpredictability. We'll keep you updated on all these stories and more as they unfold. As we wrap up today's broadcast, I want to take a moment from one mom to another to acknowledge all of the amazing moms out there. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, single mom, or anything in between, your dedication and love for your children does not go unnoticed. Thank you for the endless hours of hard work, the sacrifices you've made, and the countless moments of love and joy you've shared with your children. Thanks for tuning in, and happy Mother's Day. Happy, happy Mother's Day. I was telling them that when Emily and Joe did their lemonade stand, they raked it in because they did not know how to make change. <laughs> and so they made so much money. I think that Byron is figuring out how to make change. He considered it a tip for a long time. But I love the lemonade stand. We are so excited that you're here to worship with us on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And while we celebrate, and we celebrate big, if you haven't already, make sure that you register, you enter to win the giveaway. Today is a half day at a spa. 
Yeah, that is amazing. Mac, did you register me for that? Yeah, excellent. Everybody in your family who has a phone can register you to win the giveaway, but you must be present to win. We'll give it away at the end of the service. We love to celebrate, but we do know that Mother's Day is not fun for everyone. And so if you're struggling on this Mother's Day because of a loss or a strained relationship, we... Um, we want you to know that we see you and we love you and God sees you and he loves you as well. Um, I would love for us to pray and get started. I'm very excited about today's topic, so I'm gonna try not to talk too fast because that sometimes happens when I do get excited. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the opportunity for us to gather I thank you for your word that gives us guidance and direction. I thank you, God, for the gift of motherhood. Right now, I ask that you do something only you can do, that you take these words I've prepared, that you use them to touch every heart, mom or not. Settle our hearts and minds and open our eyes and ears so we can see and hear what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. amen, amen. Well, I am 54 years old. And yes, thank you. Applause from the husband. Um, I am 54, and this is something I've noticed about being 54. I have been to the doctor. I have had more doctor's appointments in the last four years than I had in the first 50. And anybody else who is over 50 knows what I am saying. I recently had a brain scan done, and so I brought my scan with me so that you could see it. Here is an actual scan of my brain. <laughs> yeah, that is literally what my brain looks like at all times. Ask anyone who knows me. Um, this is, I have named her Wilhelmina, and that is Wilhelmina on her worry wheel, and Wilhelmina gets really busy sometimes, particularly when I put my head on my pillow. Wilhelmina runs double time, especially if I have watched a based on a true story, you know, uh, crime show, or if I listen to a true crime podcast, or if I, sometimes Sunday night, if I'm anticipating the week, Wilhelmina overtime. Sometimes it's right when my, you know, right when my alarm goes off. I start anticipating the day and Wilhelmina gets to work. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that there are many of you who have a Wilhelmina running on her worry wheel. You know what the truth is? I know that there are some of you men who have Williams on a worry wheel, or maybe um, Andrew with anxiety, or Annie with anxiety, or maybe Olivia the overthinker. Yes, it's Mother's Day. And so let's just go ahead and celebrate how many crises we have averted because of our overthinking, right? We keep our family safe with our overthinking. Here's what I know to be true, though, that we aren't really created to live that way. And I know that the real diagnosis for this moves quickly to anxiety and to overwhelm. That the common feeling today 
is one of overwhelm. Almost everyone I know either is, has been, or knows someone who is struggling with being consistently overwhelmed, pervasively overwhelmed. I started digging into the concept of overwhelm as I was preparing to teach for Fearless Mom. I knew that kids were struggling with overwhelm because we live in a hyper-scheduled and technology-saturated world which leads them to feel overstimulated. And the direct result of the overstimulation is this feeling of overwhelm. Well, the more I studied, I realized like, wait a minute, it's not just kids who are feeling overwhelmed. It's actually the moms too. And so I went on a deep dive into it and I began to realize that it's not just moms, it's not just kids. It's teens, it's men, it's women, it's everyone. We have gotten so used to this feeling because we are all, not just children, hyper-scheduled and technology-saturated and therefore overstimulated that almost everyone I know, again, has is or knows someone who is perpetually and pervasively feeling overwhelmed. It's, it's an epidemic. And if you look at the studies on anxiety and overwhelm and the symptoms, then yeah, it can be kind of a doggy downer. But I believe with everything in me that when we go to God's word and we say, but how does he want us to live? What is his desire for our lives? Then we have the answer to overwhelm. Again, what is it? It's, that, it's the normal reaction to being overstimulated. Our bodies, our minds were not created to live with all of the information that we are bombarded with all the time. I want to share with you some of the symptoms of overwhelm. And my guess is you will identify with some of them. The first one, irritability and frustration about tiny things. Do not nudge your spouse. <laughs> Disproportionate reactions. We call this emotional dysregulation. When a tiny problem occurs, but the reaction is huge. Emotional dysregulation is a sure sign of overwhelm. Significant worrying, pessimism, or what we call in Fearless Mom, WCSing. WCS means worst case scenario. And so my brain, Wilhelmina, takes me to worst case scenario in less than a second. But if you are feeling yourself always thinking worst case scenario, then you may want to look at the level of overwhelm in your life. Difficulty concentrating, focusing, or making decisions. We talked a lot about decision overload when Mac was in the series, um, Pros and Cons, Decision Making for Geniuses. And there is so much connection between overwhelm and the amount of decisions that we make. If you consider yourself sometimes dreading things that you used to be excited about. So a sense of dread when you used to like to do those things. A sense of urgency. This, this to me, the next two, these are the biggies, the big telltale signs. A sense of urgency about everything. And because everything is urgent, you have difficulty prioritizing. So everything is urgent. Everything has to be done and it's all up to you. And then the next one, a sense of hopelessness about a way out of the busyness. You see your overwhelm, you recognize it, but you cannot figure out anything that you can take off your list 
everything is urgent, everything is up to you, and there's no way to change it. Those are the signs and symptoms of overwhelm. If you were at Back to School Blessing, you heard me talk about overwhelm then, because typically when I read about a new topic, I kind of latch onto it like a pit bull for a really long time. So much so that my family is like, could you please go ahead and teach about that so we can stop hearing about it? But overwhelm, the sign language for overwhelm, and I want you to do it with me, is literally this. You put your fist to your chest like this, and then it is the feeling of being overcome or overtaken by a wave. So 100% participation. Here we go. One, two, three. Overwhelm is what we're talking about today. It is that feeling, that pervasive, perpetual feeling of being overcome or overtaken. That is a physical representation of an emotional sensation that is an epidemic today. But like I said, we know for a fact that there are choices we can make and actions we can take to reduce our overwhelm, to reduce the overwhelm that our family is feeling in our homes, to actually battle the anxiety that so many of us are struggling with. To be sure, if your overwhelm is at a point where you need professional help, then get some help. Same with anxiety. We believe in good Christian counselors to get professional help, but we're also gonna look and see what God's word says. In Fearless Mom, what we do when we say, for instance, we call it Fearless Mom, and we know that moms are never really without fear. You feel fearful, but you act fearless, and moms will often say to me, I don't want my kids to, let's say, not like me when they're teenagers, or I don't want my kids to hate church, or I don't want my kids to struggle with whatever. I say, oh, good goal. But instead of telling me what you don't want, I'd rather know what you do want. Because it's much easier to parent toward a vision instead of away from a fear. And so if we look at this and we take this concept, we apply it to overwhelm, we know that overwhelm is not God's design and desire for us. And so we know that overwhelm is not how we are supposed to live, this perpetual and pervasive state of overwhelm. And so we're going to look at it and say, we don't want to feel overwhelmed in our lives, in our families, in our communities. That's what we don't want. But I believe it's most important to talk about what we do want. What is it? What are we living toward? Because I can say, and I, I know, yes, we don't want this. Well, much easier, much more effective, much more productive if we can discover what we do want. And what we do want, we go to scripture for that. God's design, God's desire. He calls us out. And you know what Jesus said in John 10, 10? In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy but I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, life overflowing. Another version says an abundant life. Another version says so full to overflowing, a full overflowing life. That is God's design and desire for you and for me. And so it is the opposite of overwhelmed. So instead of overwhelmed today, we're going to see how we can get to overflowing we want to be overflowing with peace, with hope, with joy. You know what? Mac has been in this series called The God of Happy. And we've been talking about happiness and how we are all created. There is nothing shallow about your desire to be happy. Happiness, is, the desire for happy is within every human. Let's look at our definition of happiness. Happiness, as we've been saying every week, happiness is soul deep. Soul deep, satisfaction, joy, and contentment. 
The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy your happiness. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, an overflowing life, overflowing with happiness, all right? So now we've identified our goal. This is God's design and desire. But what does that look like? What does a life full of happy, overflowing with happy look like? Look with me at Psalm 126. Psalm 126, we're gonna read it together and I want you to read the highlighted words with me. I'm gonna wait until it's up on the screen. I want you to process it. Yeah, I was a teacher. I want you to go ahead and look at the highlighted words so that you're ready and it doesn't take you by surprise. Nor will it take you by surprise if I stop because you're not participating, right? Everybody's ready. Here we go. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who... Our mouths were... Our tongues with... Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are we are filled with joy. You could even say we are filled to overflowing. We are filled with joy, satisfaction, and contentment. What? We are filled with happiness, filled to overflowing. See, this is about when God brought the Israelites back to their country. They had been in exile. And when he restored them, when they were brought back, what did it look like? They were like those who dreamed. Their mouths were filled with laughter. Their tongues with songs of joy. So much so, the Bible says, that the neighboring nations looked and said, the Lord has done great things for them. And they looked back and said, yes, the Lord has done great things for them, for us. And we are filled with, we are overflowing with happiness. That's the goal. What made the nation say, hey, the Lord has done great things for them? What was it? Dreaming, laughing, and singing. That's what an overflowing life looks like. A life overflowing with joy. A life overflowing with happiness. Dreaming, laughing, and singing. I want you to stop for a minute and think. When was the last time I dreamed big dreams for my life? You know what dreaming big dreams for your life requires? Hope. Hope for the future. And so when we have the hope that God gives, then we are able to dream because we trust him for our future. We are able to laugh. Laughter communicates ease, comfort, contentment, satisfaction, and singing. We sing praise, we sing Disney when we are having dance parties in the kitchen. Singing is a big part of overflowing with happiness. This is what a life overflowing looks like. How do we get there? Well, you first have to look at where you are. If you are feeling overwhelmed, then you need to recognize it and pay attention to it. If you are overflowing, then celebrate it and see what you can do to keep it going. If you're somewhere in the middle, then recognize it so that you know how to get over here to God's design and God's desire. Let's look at what scripture says about how to pay attention. We wanna move from overwhelmed to overflowing. Let's look at Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Now, your words are at the very beginning, so be ready. Here we go. One, two, three. Pay careful attention to your own work 
and then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. What is Paul saying here to the Galatians? He's saying, pay attention to what you're doing. Be aware, be mindful, be intentional. And then why? Because we are each responsible for our own work. So if we're gonna move from overwhelmed to overflowing, then we're gonna pay attention and we're gonna embrace responsibility. It requires awareness and action. Awareness and action. But there's more in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. This is like a roadmap. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Your words are kind of at the beginning, so I'm going to give you a pause. Here we go. So, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Ready? This one's a big one. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. And don't act thoughtlessly. If you study education or psychology or sociology, you hear a lot of words like cognitive behavioral therapy and being mindful and being intentional. Paul was talking about that in the New Testament way before psychologists and sociologists knew what was up. Our lives, we are designed to want that happy. And God's desire is for us to overflow with happiness, to overflow with joy. But in our world today, it requires such intentionality, such purposeful living. You state, I want to live a life overflowing no matter what. I want it for my life. I want it for my home. I want it in our community, in our schools. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Right? You have to be determined. A lot of people, they talk about, you know, my child is so stubborn. I'm like, great. Just, it's okay to be stubborn. Just be stubborn about the right things. Stubborn is also called persistent. You know, it's perseverance. It's a wonderful thing as long as you're stubborn about the right things. And if we are gonna be filled to overflowing, if we're gonna overflow happiness in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, in our lives, in our marriages, then we will have to be stubborn. Stubborn about paying attention. Stubborn about saying, I'm not gonna compare and look at what others are doing. I'm saying this is God's calling on my life, on my marriage, on my family. And we can do it. It does take paying attention. It takes incredible awareness and very courageous action. We're gonna go to Jesus to see another example from the New Testament about exactly how, what are we supposed to pay attention to? What are we supposed to be thoughtful about? In Luke 10, we see Jesus talking to two sisters, Mary and Martha, and his words are so applicable to our lives today. Your highlighted words are coming, so stick with me. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha... I feel like we need to do that again. But Martha, by the big dinner she was preparing, 
she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? I may be adding a little attitude to Martha because this rings so true as one of three girls in my family. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted, but Mary knew I am in the presence of Jesus and she sat at his feet. She didn't worry about the place settings, about the tablecloth, about the meal. She didn't worry about the details because she was in the presence of her Savior. What did Jesus say? Martha, you are so distracted. That's our first point, guys. It's such a simple thing today. I'm just going to give you two things. The first one, if you want to overflow with happy, if you want overflowing happy in your life, in your home, in your community, in your schools, decrease distraction. Decrease distraction. Now, that looks different to everybody. What is distracting to you may not be to me. What is distracting to me may not be to you. When Mac was preaching that series on um, <clears throat> decision-making, I recognized, like, you know what is distracting to me? to pick out different clothes to wear every day of my life. And so Max said, do you know that we all make 227 decisions every day? And everyone went, oh, and he said, about food. The average person actually makes over 30,000 decisions every day. Again, that can lead to overwhelm. And so I went up in between services and I said, oh my gosh, Matt, that was an amazing sermon. I know what I'm going to do. I'm wearing the same thing for the next six weeks, and I'm so excited about it. And yes, what is your nightmare was my dream. I was like, this is amazing if I never have to pick clothes out. You know, I could just wear the same thing, and I can tell everybody it's for spiritual reasons, so it's amazing. <laughs> it's like for church. It's a church experiment. And so it changed my life. I did realize on day three that I probably needed to wash clothes. And so I revised my plan, and I wore about five or six things for the next six weeks. But it reduced my decision-making. It reduced my overwhelm. I know that some of you, maybe it's decisions, maybe it's clutter in your house. We talk about in Fearless Mom living life ASAP, as simple as possible. Is there anything in your life that you can simplify? My guess is yes. But if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can't see it. That's why you need community. You need to be courageous enough to ask the people closest to you, what is it that I can decrease? What distraction can I decrease? Now, we all can agree, my guess, on what is the biggest distraction in our world today. I'm gonna wait because my guess is somebody can pull one out and show me. Let's see, does anyone have, well, oh, this is, yeah. Oh, I gotta see one over here. Yes, okay, yeah, right. Our biggest distraction in our world today is our phones. And everyone agrees with it. No one's gonna argue that fact. I could give you stats, but... 
I'd rather not spend our time there because everyone I know is in agreement with the fact that we are driven and distracted by our phones. So I'm gonna give you a couple of challenges to try this week. All right, number one, recognize your phone snubbing. So phone snubbing is when you are sitting with people Maybe you are at dinner, maybe you are in the den at your house, maybe you're at a meeting, maybe in your workplace, wherever you are, recognize, be mindful, pay careful attention to when you're looking at your phone instead of other people. Phone snubbing is what that's called. I will tell you this, once you begin to recognize and decrease your distraction of your phone, you will notice that everyone else seems to be doing it. You become kind of haughty real quick. And so I would encourage you, work on yourself and maybe not um, accuse those in your family. I'm talking to my children who we have been doing this and they say, mom, you're the worst one about that. Here's the thing, I think as moms, we think we are multitaskers. We think we are amazing multitaskers. Well, research shows, no, you're not. That we, we think we can do several things at once, but it's not true. Our brain actually has to pause, and if you it can picture like a car taking a turn, you have to slow down to turn. So we think we're multitasking, but we're not. And so to decrease distraction, you just need to focus on single tasking. But recognize when your phone's snubbing. And the second thing is, and it's just a little thing, don't look at your phone for one hour after you wake up. Go one hour without looking at your phone. And some of you are saying, but I have to check email at 6.30 for work. Then get up at 5.30. I promise you, you will see a change in just, just two days. After a week, you will see a change. So those are my only two things. I will tell you this, that as a, there are a bunch of people in our church staff, and we're going through this book called How to Break Up With Your Phone. This is not a Bible study. She is um, a secular author, but we are filtering this content through Scripture. Now... Don't panic. If you want to do this study with us, I'm gonna do it again in June and July, and so you can just head to fearlessmom.com, sign up for our newsletter, I'll give you all, the, all of the information about how you can sign up. It's not just for moms. Here's the thing, you're only without your phone for 24 hours. It is not how to break up with your phone forever. It's just helping us pay careful attention and to not live thoughtlessly. It's a courageous thing to be aware it's even more courageous to take action. And so if you wanna sign up for that, I will tell you, it is amazing already. I love it. I love experiments. And so um, my kids are like, please don't make me do this. But they're adults now, so I can't. It's really, parenting adults is really tricky because you want them to do things, but you know, I'm right. I'm keeping my mouth shut for the most part. Okay, <laughs> if you're interested in doing that, that is the biggest way to decrease distraction. But you figure out, just do a little something. Maybe decreasing distraction to you means cleaning out your purse. Start there. You can do anything, or your car. Ooh, get crazy, clean out your closet. Um, okay, so decrease distraction. We're all in agreement that that can take us one step closer to a life overflowing. Here's the second part. Increase connection. Decrease distraction, increase connection. Pretty simple, right? Increase connection. That means connection with God as well as connection with the people in your life. When we were growing up, I remember, and I don't know that they still do it this way, it's probably digital now, but when we were growing up in class, the teacher would call roll, and we would say, here, 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 you remember that? And then every so often you'd have a teacher that wanted you to say, present, like, what is that all about? Present, present, well this, it sounds like it's the same thing, right? Well, it's actually very different. You can be here, 
and not be fully present. You can be at the table with your family today at lunch and not be fully present. You can be here on vacation with your family and not be fully present. You can be here in a meeting at work and not be fully present. When I say increase connection, that requires paying careful attention to your own work and choosing to decrease distraction so that you can increase connection. You can be praying to God and reading scripture. You can be here and not fully present. You won't get to the life overflowing until you choose to be fully present. Fully present, increasing your connection with God, fully present and increasing your connection with others. When I talk about increasing your connection with God, I'm talking about spiritual disciplines like praying and worshiping and reading scripture and going to Bible study, attending church, serving at church, increasing your connection and saying, I'm paying attention, I'm aware, and now I'm gonna take action because I know that he is the source of my hope, my strength, my joy, my peace, all the things. And then increasing connection with others. We know it's not just parent and child. It's not just your spouse. Every relationship is better when you choose present over here. Every single relationship is better. Now, I know that there are seasons and there are circumstances when the thought of overflowing with happiness feels impossible. And the thought of feeling soul deep satisfaction, joy and contentment is so far gone for you. I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you with this verse, Romans 15, 13. Here's the thing. God's design and desire is not for you to feel happy all the time. He just knows that he loves you and he desires for you to get there. So even when you're not feeling happy in a relationship with Jesus, there is always hope. There is always hope that you will feel happy again one day. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mac is about to start a series, The God of Power. We underestimate God's power, his power to provide hope and peace and joy and love when we aren't feeling it. His design and desire is for us to live a life overflowing, for us to overflow in every arena of our lives. And you know, when I am using just my abilities, my happiness, and I'm pouring it out for my children, for my marriage, for my job, for my neighborhood, for my coworkers. And you see, I come to the end of myself. You can only do so much on your own. But when I remember that Jesus comes that I may have life and have it to the full and overflowing life, and I know that God is the God of hope, then I allow him, just as some of you are getting nervous, most of you are moms that are getting nervous, I want you to know, it's okay if it falls, but I have done it many times before. Then I go to the source of hope. 
And I say, I remember that Jesus said, Mary has found the one thing that cannot be taken from her, the one thing that always satisfied and will never run dry. And so I am completely dependent on him. And he begins to fill me. Well, what about my responsibilities? I can't just sit and pray all day. No, but when I lean in and lean on to him and my overflow, look at those cups. They all begin to fill because Jesus is enough. It is enough for everything he has called you to do. And look at that. And some of it is overflowing onto the tray. That's like even extra, okay? I'm blessing people who aren't even here. I'm not even meaning to bless them because of our overflow. And unlike my picture, God's hope, Jesus's joy and peace never runs out. It requires though for us to step in to what he has offered, to receive his forgiveness and to say, I want you to be Lord of my life and I want you, God, to be my source. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you so much for this day and I thank you that you offer hope, joy, peace, that when you design us for that desire for happy, you will give us what we need, the hope for happy when we're not feeling it. And God, you will give us the strength and the courage to make changes needed so that we can move from overwhelmed to overflowing. If you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus and asked him to be the Lord of your life and your source, then I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Just to yourself, simply say, Jesus, I need you. I need your hope. I need your forgiveness. I trust you to lead me to the life overflowing. I want you to be Lord of my life. I need you to be my source. In Jesus' name. If you would just remain with your heads bowed for another moment a sacred moment. If that was your prayer, then as a church family, we wanna help with, with what comes next because this is just the beginning for you. There are a number of ways that we can come alongside. It may be having a conversation with you. It may be you asking questions. You can let us know after the service out at the hub in the lobby or you can use the QR card in front of you. But if that was your prayer in this place, I wanna just ask, as our heads are bowed for another moment, would you just raise your hand? If you just took that step of faith and entered into a relationship with Christ, just raise your hand up high over your head for a moment as a statement physically of the commitment that you just made. And know that as a church, we honor that and we celebrate that with you. And our family tradition is, as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.